Hello everyone, welcome to episode 911 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves has returned for 2021 in Chicago, kicking off Thursday, September 23rd and running through Sunday the 26th at Metro, Smart Bar, and G-Man. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for suicide prevention charities. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we are chatting with and listening to music from Saturday Metro performers Chris Connolly and Paul Barker.
You know, Chris, I, I went through your book recently to, to find the, the part where you, uh, Paul first comes in. Paul was doing a remix for Finney Tribe, and it said he only charged you guys a case of beer that, that he later shared with you guys. And you wrote that his demeanor was, quote, a, a zealously enthusiastic science teacher uh, supervising an after-school club. <laughs> so, so I love to hear, uh, you know, Paul's impression of what you guys can remember about that first meeting. That was uh, at uh, Southern Studios, undoubtedly. Yeah. That was, we had already met at that point, right, Chris? I guess I'd met you briefly when I first met Al. That's right. But it was really, I met you and Bill very briefly. And this was the first time we'd actually sort of, you know, hung out. And it was you and the Six Finney Tribe. Oh, that's uh, right. Guys. <laughs> We were all there, uh, like animals. <laughs> yeah. Did that remix turn out all right? I want more. Is that what that was? It became the A side of the single. So, yeah, it turned out great. <laughs> Straight to the top, I'm sure. It was the roll, roll, roll the mix. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> well, um, I, I, you know, to your question, Aaron, um, you know, I don't. I don't really remember a lot about that, uh, honestly. I remember, you know, kind of going like, "All right, what am, what am I going to do with this with this song?" And you know, like that idea, as as I still do when somebody you know approaches you with a remix. But yeah, I mean, we were quite green at that time, and you know, you have to make decisions on the fly, and there's no going back. Yeah, you know, unlike today, where there's you know almost infinite undos. You guys, I'm sure, spent a, a ton of time together over years. So how how was the, the the general working relationship when you guys were in the studio working on things? You know, was it was there ever any tension? Was it always good times? You know, I'm sure there were tension with other people. You sound like a marriage guidance counselor. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me say that after I answered the last question, I suddenly realized, okay, well, you know, Chris and I, our temperaments haven't changed over the years. You know, we're the same, you know, fairly even keeled, you know, excitable, curious people. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> and so, of course, we get along and it's always super fun to work together. Even when it was nonstop in the studio for weeks at a time, um, you know, trying to grind stuff out. We commonly did a lot of work with Bill as well at that time. Uh, so it was super fun to riff. And, you know, Al brought his manic energy in when he was around. And, you know, that was, of course, super exciting. I mean, in hindsight, it, you know, nothing could have worked without everyone there. And, you know, that's really the only way you can look at it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it's the energy of a group of people who are, whether they're a band or not, it's five or six people all working together and the per personalities are always different. But when they work together, they work together. Even if your personalities are at odds, I think any band would tell you that. 
And you've got to spend a lot of time together. I mean, you're living out of each other's pockets, whether you're in a van touring or in a studio, you find what there is to love about each other and just ignore the rest. And Paul never put the top back on the toothpaste, not once. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> also, there, there are some other elements. I mean, you know, it, it's not just the band members. There are other people around. And certainly in the studio, you have the engineer. And hopefully a good engineer is going to inspire you and make suggestions that actually challenges you. So it's not, you know, we're not in a bubble, even though it, it is a bubble. We still have uh, other influences. It looked like even after you both moved on from ministry, you know, you got back together to work on Bells into Machines and other things. So tell me about the thought process behind that. Is that, you know, I'm doing my own thing and, and I liked working with you, but let's figure something out. I'm, I'm always curious when different people decide to get back together and do different projects together again. Well, I mean, you know, it's... You, you like you you've established that you like working together um and i mean the the difference the difference between a lot of people and us is that what we do is sort of in public but you know it's the same as if we wanted to get together and play racquetball or go to dinner or something like that we enjoy each other's company we want to play together if we ever get the opportunities we live in different parts of the country if that opportunity arises then then great I'm always sold if, if, if Paul's involved or someone else I'm close with is involved, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to work because I know that something good will come out of it. It's not anything that's, you know, uh, predestined or calculated in any way. I mean, those, the days of calculating what you might do with your career or what your manager might do with your career, is, these days are gone. This is purely for uh, fun, really. If Chris is involved in... I'm interested. And if, it, if we can make it work, then, then we're going to do it, you know, and, you know, specifically to cold waves, we want to be involved every year in some way, shape or form. Not only is it, you know, to uh, support the fundraiser itself and the scene as a whole, but also because we get to work together, we get to see each other, you know, we get to hang out for a few days and that's always enjoyable. Yeah. I went through the history. I think you guys have missed maybe one year at most each. It's great that people can always rely and, and know that they're going to see you guys in, in one capacity or another. And with so many different projects, there's lots of different opportunities to, to do different things you haven't done in a while. You know, whether, you know, Chris at the first year being able to, to do the damage manual set or Paul, you know, being able to do some lead into gold stuff and putting out new things with that. And it seemed like that, that mini dub sound system one that you dub at Cold Waves 8 went, went over really well with the crowd. Yeah. Mindub, yeah. I even saw on Facebook someone was posting what what to expect from your set this year because I feel like when it says cocksure or you know it says let into gold, everyone knows what to expect. When it when the poster comes out, and it says Barker and Connolly Luxapan. You know, you, you have those those really OG industrial fans that maybe understand the, the reference to the earlier history. And I don't pretend to know all that old stuff. You know, I know that. Paul, your alias was Hermes Pan and, and Al went by Hypoluxa. And when you would work on things like PTP, that was the name of the production behind that. I'm also a little confused because, you know, if you look up Hermes Pan, you see that that was Fred Astaire's choreographer from the 1930s. And then I feel like 
one of those internet memes where someone has all the equations going around their head. So can you at least Hilarious. give me some of the, the, the insider jokes behind there, or is it just better left unsaid and, and leaving everyone confused? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, those are insider jokes, you know, so uh, your setup to that question, you know, whatever laid bare all of the thought process behind this, you know, it's like, okay, let's come up with some names. Let's start a production company. You know, let's put our stamp on everything, not just, you know, our audio stamp, but then also, you know, name it as, as such, you know, and of course we're, you know, huge fans of Adrian Sherwood and his Anu Sound Productions like, okay, fuck it, man, we're going to do the same thing. We're just going to, you know, we're going to stamp, we're going to stamp everything.
I know there were the the snippets in the book or, or the things that would be said every now and then public where it seems like people were, didn't look so fondly on the past, but maybe time heals all wounds. And, you know, there was a 2018 Billboard article saying that Paul, you and Al had buried the hatchet, whatever that means. And Chris, I know you you performed on stage a couple of years ago with To Do So What? So, you know, would you say that things are currently at, at, at a better spot? Is, is there anything that, that you think could happen in the future or things just sort of are where they are and they, they ebb and flow as time goes on? Yeah, for, for, I, don't, I don't know. I, I never can tell what I'll do in the future and who I'll collaborate with. I didn't think that I, it would happen that I would get up on stage and do so what again, but it did happen. But, you know, I, uh, I, I just, I, I have no idea. I don't obviously live my life waiting for the next musical project to come along. Um, I'm far too distracted with everything else in my life and whatever happens, happens. Uh, but, you know, I feel kind of at peace with my past. My, my feeling these days is everything that you've talked about, Aaron, uh, in, in this is over three decades old. Okay, that's over half my life. And that's significant to me. It's, it's, it's something from a long time ago. And uh, approaching it now to, to redo it requires a little bit of thought. And what, of what significance is it to me? Should I get up and do so what again? What's, does it do anyone any good? I don't know. And, you know, both Paul and myself are, you know, we're, we're making new records and dealing with new sounds and writing new songs all the time. The, the stuff that's in the past is not for us, our, our main focus by any stretch of the imagination. It's there, we did it, and we have to live with it whether we like it or not, but we might as well be proud and try and uh, make good on it. And I'm happy that uh, my relationships with uh, everyone involved, uh, uh, all these relationships are good. We've all moved on. I think that's right. You know, Chris is absolutely right. You know, what we're talking about is in many ways, ancient history. Of course, it is an indelible part of our lives. Once again, back to our temperaments, you know, uh, Chris and myself, we have bigger challenges ahead of us. And, and we aren't, you know, whatever, stuck in the past and uh, thinking about, you know, what, what could have been and, and things like this, you know, I mean, I can tell you that Chris and I, the only time we ever talk about that stuff is, you know, in relation to, you know, what are we doing now as far as cold waves is concerned? That's it. Yes, I, I can call Al and talk to Al. That's our relationship right now. You know, I'm comfortable with that. I'm, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not scheming for the future. It's just, you know, we're just two old friends and, you know, who, who've been through a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, okay, I'm happy to hear that you're not, you know, so familiar with our uh, back catalog and, you know, that it, that it weighs that or that it has that much impact on your life. I'm super happy to hear that because your perspective is way more common, if you will. For us, of course, it's fun when people come up and say that, you know, they loved it when they, when they saw us perform, blah, 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 or they love this song and I mean, of course, you have to be gracious with that because, you know, what, what they're saying is that you've actually touched their lives and, and, you know, that's pretty fantastic, you know, if you step back and think about it. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I just feel like, you know, 
Chris and I have talked about this and it's always the same. I say it's always, it's been this way for many years. You know, our perspective on the past is what I'm talking about. And, you know, on our body of work. And Chris has a fantastic body of work outside of the shit we're talking about. So it's, I mean, it's not that narrowly focused, but the fact that uh, cold waves exists and annually we are now, you know, kind of in a position to think about that stuff again, which is, it's okay for sure. <laughs> it's somewhat distracting, but yeah, that, that's how it is. And it's, you know, it's flattering that people give a shit once again. So yeah. Let's talk about something a little more recent. Talking to everyone about their past year and a half with, with COVID, I feel like everyone has had a completely different uh, stance as far as how it affected them, you know, good or bad, more time for them to do certain things, less time for do some certain things. So Chris, let me, let me start with you. Tell me how the, the last year and a half has been for you. At the beginning, it was um, a bit of an adjustment, and uh, but I, I didn't waste any time. I finished, I worked a lot. I, 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 I finished records and continued to collaborate. To be honest with you, when I collaborate with people, I would rather do it remotely. And so it didn't change any of that because I work in my basement at my own pace. Professionally, it didn't affect me uh, as I don't play live very much anyway. It affected a lot of my friends, and that was really scary uh, to see a lot of my friends losing work like that. But uh, it didn't affect me in that way at all. It did give me a bit of a kick in the arse to sort out, sort of, you know, catalog more of my stuff make my silly little YouTube channel and use Bandcamp a lot to try and, you know, as a, as a, a resource for income. Um, but I've been back, my other job, I mean, I've been back in the classroom uh, as a teacher for since uh, the first, the June of, of that year, I was back working full time. And uh, so life, life carried on. I actually maintained really great health throughout the whole thing so i really enjoyed not having to do any kind of social commitments at all like the more reclusive the better for me yeah i was happy i love my family i love my cats <laughs> it was perfectly fine when it started it was really quite traumatic like chris mentioned pretty fucked because the way that it affected the society you know unfairly if you will it's like anybody in the entertainment industry you know what I mean everybody just instantly just started suffering and then there was like this bleak kind of like okay what the fuck you know this is how are we going to get out of this you know there's zero income coming in and you know so many people rely on their you know on their monthly income you know hand to mouth sort of sort of um, that it was really quite quite frightening you know and then as I say nobody knew let's say how long it was going to last or you know if there was going to be any sort of help well okay of course you know there was a fair amount of help uh, from the government after all so me as a creative person um, it affected me quite a bit I wasn't really able to get work done so I have a business we manufacture guitar effects pedals and synthesizer modules. So it's an industry, I mean, it's a, a manufacturing company. Immediately after, you know, COVID shut down, of course, 
everything shut down. So there were there were no orders or anything. And and uh, you know from that front as well, it's like okay, what the fuck? You know, here we go. We so we manufacture our livelihoods are based on products that nobody needs to have a fully functioning. Uh, healthy life you know what I mean like in other words everything we manufacture and sell is totally superfluous so you know nobody's going to buy this shit anymore right because of course everybody has other things to think about you know much more immediate things to think about but that isn't in fact what happened yes it happened the second quarter of last year into you know into the summer was pretty bleak but then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's because of PPP money or you know COVID unemployment bump or whatever, but all of a sudden sales started increasing. And I don't know, I mean, virtually across the, the industry, you know, everyone had banner quarters last year and then into this year. So it's kind of crazy. Now, as a, a manufacturing company, we are now feeling uh, the pinch of the fact that 18 months ago, so many businesses shut down, you know, because they were state mandate. So you had to shut down. So, so what I'm talking about is now there is a shortage of components, worldwide shortage of electronic components that we're dealing with, you know, as a consequence, it, it took a while for it to hit uh, the manufacturing sector, if you will. So that's where we are. And so if you happen to have like a stockpile of parts, then you can make it. But if you're looking for parts now, they're like whatever, five to 15 times more expensive than they were this time last year. It's just out of control. You know, my mental health suffered a little bit, if you will. I was pretty down for a while. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I would go in the studio and I'd muck around for a while. Nothing really came to fruition. And in fact, you know, here it is the middle of 21. And at the beginning of 2020, you know, I had a body of work that I was super excited about, and I really didn't make a lot of progress on that music. I'm ashamed to say, but you know, that's just how it is. Chris, I know you were actually able to get out uh, to G-Man. Oh yeah, how did that go? Oh, it was really good. It was, uh, you know, the run up to it was, I was excited about it, but it was also a little bit stressful, wondering what it was gonna look like, feel like, you know, I played uh, my own curated set, Play, I played two sets per night. People came. It was sold out. People came who really wanted to come. So everybody had a great time and I, I really enjoyed it. I liked, you know, it was a seated crowd and it was me and a guitar and I had a synthesizer and my laptop and um, it was wonderful.
On this episode, you heard Heavy Water by Paul Barker featuring Chris Connolly, To the Throat by Lead Into Gold, and American Parasite by The Joy Thieves. Chris Connolly can be found at chrisconnolly.com. Paul Barker can be found at paulionbarker.bandcamp.com. Our opening music is Euthanasia by Acumen Nation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Jean-Luc Demeyer from Front 242, for real this time. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Jamie Duffy. Here is Jason Miles sharing his memories. It's hard to just come up with one special memory because throughout the nearly 16, 17 years I knew Jamie, uh, there were a lot of them. I first met him in uh, 94 after the Angst Fest in Chicago. Uh, that was at the Metro that had a uh, KMFDM Chem Lab sister machine gun and I believe Acumen opening. And I just remember the energy that he brought to the band that night. He was in his element and you could tell he was loving every minute of it on stage. Uh, if you were part of the industrial scene in the 90s and 2000s, you knew we were pretty much in our heyday back then. And Jamie was everywhere where there was a show, either running sound or stage managing at the Cubby Bear or House of Blues or the Metro. Um, helping out a local band. He was always doing what he could for others to help them sound better. And uh, he was one of the best at doing it. In particular, I remember the Slip Disc record show at Chicago. I believe it was like 98, 97. And I'm pretty sure Jamie ran sound for nearly every band that evening, running back and forth all night from the sound booth to the stage. (laughs) He pretty much had an endless amount of energy when it came to helping people sound better. Uh, and on top of it, I think he got on the stage with uh, Acumen and possibly DJ Accucrack played that night as well. You know, we'd always run into each other at other industrial shows or clubs and always take time to get our shot of Jameson together and shoot the shit. And uh, always mostly about music. When I heard of his passing, I just moved from Chicago to Florida and was pretty overwhelmed over not being able to get home. And I know I speak for most that knew him when I say that I wish I could have done more. You know, if I can only make it home once a year now. It's always in September to see friends and honor his memory. You know, over the past eight years, I've seen the Jamie Banner and Smart Bar filled with so many memories and tributes. Uh, My emotions now coming home are filled with nothing but love and respect and great memories uh, for a guy who's always willing to give to everyone else. And now instead of sadness when I see that banner, I see nothing but an outpouring of love for those of us who are honored to know him and get to spend some time with him. And he's greatly missed still to this day.